Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Good to see everybody. Two weeks ago, I preached the message about Palm Sunday, and we learned what Palm Sunday was all about and its significance as the first day of Passion Week. Last week, of course, was Easter Sunday. I preached about amazing Jesus and the many miracles and works that he did leading up to his death on the cross. So we learned two weeks ago about what happened before Easter. Last week, we talked about, of course, what happened on Easter. But my question for today is, what about after Easter? Here we are, one week after Easter Sunday. The marshmallow peeps are all gone. how How many peeps fans are in the house? See, there's a lot of liars among us. There's no way they could sell so many peeps, yet no one eats them. Amen. I'm glad I've still got a little stash of, of not Halloween, of Easter candy in my office. Amen. Spring break is over. The Easter bunny has retreated for another year. But what happened with the disciples and with Jesus when Easter was over? I mean, think about it. Jesus had an amazing life. He conquered sin. On the cross, he conquered death. In the grave, he conquered hell. Amen. Behind him was the persecution that he had endured. Before him was the unending applause of the angels and the worship of the angels. Behind him was the cross. Before him was a crown of glory. Amen. Behind him was Calvary. Before him was all of heaven's glory. And although his work was finished, it did not end with the resurrection. I don't want you to miss that. His work was finished, but his work was not done. Amen. Jesus really did die on the cross. He really was buried in the tomb. He really was physically raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Yet there are still many today that doubt it all. They've forgotten what Jesus said. They really don't necessarily understand. And you know, when you think about it, it wasn't just the people of today. People, the disciples even were a little confused about what was going on. But before Jesus left in bodily form once and for all, The Bible tells us that he stayed around for a while after Easter. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Of God. Now, why did Jesus hang around for 40 days? He remained, the Bible says, on earth following his resurrection. And you would wonder, why did he stick around so long? Hadn't he been hurt enough? Why 
would he be there? Well, I feel like there's several reasons why Jesus stuck around, but let me tell you what I think are the main two. First of all, I think he still had some stuff that he needed to finish teaching the disciples. Stuff that he needed to share with the apostles in order for them to launch and to make the New Testament church what it was and then, of course, what it is today. But I also think that the main reason that Jesus stuck around for 40 days was so he could show the rest of the world that indeed he had resurrected from the cross. Amen. He needed to show us the proof. And that's what I want to preach about today. Show me the proof. Show me the proof. See, Jesus had tried to teach his disciples again and again what was going to happen. He told them, he said, I'm going to die in Jerusalem. I'm going to be buried. And on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And the apostles did the same thing that you and I do every time we hear talk of death. We just kind of sweep it to the side or we ignore it. We pretend that it's really not there. It's not a discussion we like to have. We don't like to think about death, do we? Death brings pain. Today would have been my dad's 77th birthday. And he passed away just a few years ago. And so when I woke up this morning, one of the first things I thought about was my dad. And I've got a lot of great fond memories of my dad. But because he's passed, there's just a little twinge of pain that you have when you think about people that you love that have gone on, right? Death, there's just nothing pleasant about it in our human understanding and in our human feelings. Well, you know, every time Jesus brought up what he was going to do, it was almost like the disciples just kind of brushed it off. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be preparing for the end. And Peter goes, hey, Jesus, don't, don't, don't go there. Don't do it. Don't go to Jerusalem. Jesus says, Peter, uh, Satan, get behind me. And you know what he did? He went on his journey. On the last night of Jesus' earthly mortal life, he takes them to an upper room, and he breaks bread with them, and he speaks of his broken body, and he shares with them the fruit of the vine, and he tells them about his shed blood. But they still didn't quite get it. So when Jesus finally dies on a cross, he's buried in a tomb, his followers were devastated. It's almost as if they had forgotten what Jesus had said. It's as if they didn't really connect the dots. They forgot, even though he had told them repeatedly, amen. But now the tomb is empty. And even then, they had a hard time believing. It was not until they saw him again and again. And he said to them, look at me. Touch me. I am showing you the proof. Know that I'm alive. Know that I've done everything that I promised I would do. And you know, even today, here we are the week after Easter. People are just not sure how they feel about this whole Jesus thing or not. Right? We encounter people like that every day. Some people even go to church and there's, they would probably never admit it, but there's just a part of them that are like, you know, I really don't know about this whole resurrection thing. I really don't know about this whole Jesus thing. And they want to know if this Jesus thing really is true or if it's a myth. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a substantiated fact if you trust the Word of God. Amen? How many of you believe the Bible? Amen? Here's what the Bible said about his resurrection. That Jesus showed himself by many convincing or infallible proofs. 
He showed himself. The Greek word that's translated as infallible or convincing, it literally means a criteria of certainty. In English, the word means absolutely trustworthy or sure. And the best place to get the true facts of the resurrection comes right from the word of God. Amen? And the word tells us that the Lord was here for 40 days following his resurrection proving to people that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Now, I want to share a few examples with you here today about how Jesus showed them the proof of what he was. First of all, there was the testimony beginning with an angel himself. Matthew chapter 28, verse 5. It says, But the angel declared, answered, and said to the woman, to the women, plural, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And I love verse 6. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. And I love this little add-on part. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. If it's not enough for you to be convinced by an angel showing up and saying, he is not here, he is risen, why don't you just go take a look at the tomb, by the way? The angel's like, I want you to go and check it out for yourself. Here's the proof. He's not there anymore. Go look in the empty tomb. So then there was the testimony of the women as they departed from the tomb. Matthew 28, verse 9. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet, and they worshiped him. First there was the angels. Then there was the women. Proof, actual proof that they had met Jesus on their way back from the empty tomb. Then Jesus later on, he appears to the 11 disciples as they ate, even because they had not believed. And you know what's crazy? The women had just come back from the tomb. They had said, hey, look, we saw an angel. We saw the tomb. It's empty. But look what happened in Mark, Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Still later, he, talking about Jesus, appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Jesus shows up, and it's as if he goes, you knuckleheads. The women just told you that I was resurrected. The Bible says he rebuked them. By the way, men, there might be a lesson in here for us. We need to listen a little bit more to the women in our lives. Amen? Can all the women say amen? Amen. <laughs> I picked on the mother-in-laws last week, so today I'm, I'm throwing you a little bonus in there. Jesus rebuked the guys because they would not listen. He had to rebuke them because they did not believe the reports from the women who had already witnessed the proof. And countless times throughout the scripture, during these 40 days, Jesus showed himself alive. There was the, the time at the Sea of Tiberias, John 21 and verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. That's how it happened. Then there was a time on the road to Emmaus when he showed himself to Cleopas as they walked on the road. Mark 16 and 12, it says, After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. I mean, it's like, man, for three and a half years, Jesus went around doing these miracles. He went around showing them. I preached about it last week. All the amazing things that he did. He told them, I'm going to be in the ground dead for three days, and then I'm going to rise from the ground again. 
But nobody believed. Then finally, I think Jesus decided he had to elevate the proof game. 1 Corinthians 15 and 6. He showed up to 500 people at one time. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 6 says, After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. 500. Jesus showed up to the angel. He showed up to the women. He showed up to the disciples. Now he's showing up to 500 of them. Acts chapter 3 and verse 14. Jesus actually, uh, in the word of the Lord, the scripture said this. It said, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked a murderer to be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And here's what they said. We are witnesses of this. The disciples had finally changed their tune. They finally came to a place of recognition. They finally said, you know what? We are witnesses of what we saw and what we experienced. And then if that's not proof enough, there's even the proof of Jesus' own testimony. Luke chapter 24, verse 36, it said, And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And then I love this. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. I love it. Jesus said, look, I want you to look at my hands. I want you to look at my feet. I want you to touch me. I am here. I am resurrected. Amen. Now, I just rattled off several proofs from the scripture, some of the show me the proof moments from the Bible. So, so many testimonies from throughout scripture that verify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and prove his life-changing power. But the real question needs to be, can you believe the reports from the Bible? How many of you believe that the Bible is the word of God? How many of you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves and we need to make sure is settled among Christians. The Bible is the Word of God. There's a lot of Christians right now. The world has kind of pressed itself in on us so much that we're doubting the Scripture, that we're doubting the Word, that we're really doubting parts of it. Some of you might say, well, maybe some of it's true and maybe, maybe not all of it's true. Or maybe I need to do some of these teachings and some of these commands and there's other things that I think I can, I can just disobey. Amen. I've met with people before and they've said, well, I think I can do this or, or that and without naming all the stuff. And it's something that's clearly talked about in the scripture. And I'm like, it doesn't really matter what we feel about it. If it contradicts the word of God, the word of God always trumps how we feel. Amen. But you see, an important question is, what do you think about the Bible? And then secondly, what do you think about Jesus? He's all right. What do you think? No, what do you think about Jesus? Amen. Do you believe that he is the son of God? See, there's a lot of people who don't believe. And they don't believe the Bible. And they don't believe everything that is written. As a matter of fact, there's some people that all those verses that I just read, guess what? That doesn't give them any proof whatsoever. 
There's plenty of skeptics out there that would say, you know what, Pastor, that was a great 15 minutes of verses, but I need you to show me the proof. Well, there's one testimony. There's one thing that even those who doubt the Bible cannot argue with. There's one more thing that is the greatest of them all. There's one more testimony that demonstrates the truth of the gospel message greater than any of the ones that I just read to you from the Bible. And let me tell you what it is. The greatest proof of the resurrection comes straight from a blood-bought believer whose life has been eternally changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest proof that Jesus resurrected is every man, woman, and child that has found forgiveness for their sins and have accepted God into their lives and are now living for Jesus Christ. And if you're one of those people, I think we ought to give them a praise right now. Hallelujah. I want to help you understand something here today. We are surrounded in this room and around our world by a great cloud of witnesses, people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. And hear me, there is nothing that can dispute or change that fact. Hallelujah. Miracles of changed lives. Miracles of homes being restored. Miracles of people being set free from addictions and bondages and depression. Come on, somebody. Folks might not believe in your Bible, but they cannot deny your story. Come on, people may want to argue your theology, but they cannot argue with your testimony. Come on, people might want to doubt your denomination, but they cannot doubt your experience in Christ. Hallelujah. See, you might not like my church, but you cannot take away what Jesus has done for me. I am living proof that God is resurrected. I am living proof that he can turn a life around. Come on. You are living proof that Jesus still changes lives. Somebody praise him in this house. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 You can argue doctrine. You can argue theology. But you cannot argue with somebody's changed life. Tell me Jesus is not alive and real and I will show you a man delivered by addiction, from addiction and from bondage. Tell me that Easter is just a feel-good story and I'll show you a woman who was healed from cancer. Come on. Tell me that Jesus isn't alive and I'll show you uh, young couples who the doctor said you will never have children and then I will show you their babies, one, two, and three. Come on. Jesus is alive. Tell me that all this is a fairy tale. And I will share with you my show me the proof story. I think somebody here needs to embrace or re-embrace what Jesus has done for you. And I want to remind somebody that you need to remind the devil. Come on. I am the proof of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. You want me to tell you what you need to do when somebody says, show me the proof? Here's what you need to do. Ta-da! Hallelujah. Show me the proof. Here I am. 
You don't know like I know what he's done for me. Amen. Come on, I can look around this room right now. I see miracles in this house. I see people who I've known for decades. I've seen God pick you up when you were down. I've seen God give you strength when there was no reason for you to have strength. I've seen God comfort you when you were not able to be comforted. See, that's the proof. He's real. He does things that nobody else can do. He changes people in ways that nobody else can change them. He sets people on a path that you tried to do by yourself. You tried to quit smoking or drinking or partying, and you couldn't do it until Jesus. Somebody say until Jesus. Come on, you tried to quit lying and cheating and stealing until Jesus came into your life. Jesus changes lives. And the greatest proof is you and me. Your testimony is still the most powerful form of communication today. And if you don't believe it, just look at the advertisers. They still do it all the time. I use Tide. You should use it too. I went on Weight Watchers and I lost 50 pounds. You can do it too. I drive a Ford or a Dodge or a Chevy. You can drive one too. All these testimonies. And you go, you know what? I think I can do that. I think I can be that. I think I can buy that. I'd like my laundry to look like that. I'd like my waistline to look like that. I wish my truck wasn't a hoopty. I want it to look like that. Amen. I wish I had a truck. I want it to look like that. Testimonies. Stories, And why do advertisers do that? Because they understand it is still the most powerful form of communication, the personal story. And folks, the Bible is so full of so many, many examples of people sharing their testimony. But you know what your testimony can also be? I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect. I don't have all my theology down. I can't quote the book of Acts. Amen. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a theologian, amen. All I know is that Jesus changed my life. That's all you gotta know, folks. Come on, somebody. That's all you gotta share. Share the story of what Jesus did in your life. The Bible says that your testimony is a powerful tool. Nobody can say it's wrong because it's your story. You're a witness. Look at 1 Peter 3 and 15. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready, here it is, to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. See, the Bible doesn't tell you you have to share your faith. doesn't tell you you have to share your doctrine. It says share your hope. Hallelujah. Why? You want, because faith and doctrine is what you believe. Hope is the benefit of what you believe. Hope is the byproduct of the relationship we found with Jesus. It's the byproduct of having a walk with God. Hope. Share the hope. Because I'm going to tell you right now, people want to know why you became a Christian more than they want to know how to become a Christian. Before they ever want to know how, they want to know why. They want to know why. Why did you make the change? Why is it real in your life? They want to know what difference it makes. There's a lot of people out there that are skeptical, but they want to know, though, is there any real solution for me? 
Come on, they're trying everything else right now. They're trying counselors. They're trying drugs. They're trying all these kind of mystical religions. They're trying therapy. They're trying everything under the sun. Some of them have resorted to alcohol and drug abuse. Some to extramarital affairs. People are looking for answers. And we've got the answer. We are the answer. The hope. People want to know. Is there any benefit? If I turn my life around, can I turn my life around? Share your hope. I came today to encourage somebody today. You've been doubting God in your life. Can I say this to some of you? Some of you feel like you don't have a testimony because God didn't set you free from alcoholism. Or God didn't heal you of stage four cancer. Say, well, my story's not very dramatic. I've always kind of just towed the line. There's nothing crazy in my life. I didn't almost get arrested. I didn't whatever. No, no, no. You know what your testimony might be? That God kept you from all of that junk. Amen. I think sometimes we need to stop and not just celebrate the, the drug addicts and the people who messed up. We need to celebrate the people that Jesus helped you keep your feet on the ground. Come on, somebody. That's your story. You can share your hope. You don't have to go down that path. You don't have to have a messed up marriage that Jesus has to heal. You don't have to be a drug addict or an alcoholic. You don't have to be. And here's my story. Here's my proof. See, everybody has a story. Everybody is living proof. Every believer is proof that Jesus can change your life. Revelation 12 and 11 says this, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Amen. And they did not love their lives to the death. We overcome by his blood our testimony. David said this in Psalm 66, 16, Come and listen and I'll tell you what God's done for me. The woman at the well, John 4, 39. Many of the Samaritans of the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Don't miss that. They believed in Jesus, not because of Jesus, because of the woman. And what she said Jesus did for her. The man born blind, you know what his testimony was in John 9, 25? I once was blind, but now I see. Acts 4 and 20, Peter and John said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Paul, on six different occasions in Acts 22 through Acts chapter 26, six different occasions, he used his personal testimony to share the gospel with unbelievers. Folks, you don't have to walk around with a Thompson Chain Bible under your arm. You don't have to carry a Strong's Concordance. Amen. You don't have to have a Bible study every week. You don't have to do any of these things that we think is so spiritual. You just got to share the hope of what Jesus has done in your life. I want to ask the praise team and the musicians to come on up. And I want us to stand all over this room. I've only preached for 30 minutes this morning. I want to tell somebody here, and I want you to hear this. You are unique, and there is no one else like you. Amen. You are the only one that can give your testimony. I cannot give Joe Hardy's testimony. Only Joe Hardy can give his testimony. Come on. I cannot share Rodney Pavey's testimony. He's got his own story. Amen. Some of you right now, you're in the middle of a test. Guess what? So God can add to your testimony. 
Some of you are going through some things right now that you really wish you wouldn't have to go through. Guess what? If you will allow him to, God will use your pain from today to help somebody else in their pain of tomorrow. Amen. You share your hope. Not only of all the times he delivered you, but all the times he helped you when you fell down and pulled you back up. Share your hope. Share your hope. In our world today, so many people don't believe the Bible. So many people have lost sight of biblical morals and biblical values. As a matter of fact, so many people are skeptical of Christians. Your most effective story might be your witness. The most powerful way to reach our world might be just telling people what Jesus did for us and then let them figure it all out for themselves. Amen? Point them to the Word of God. And let them find a relationship with Jesus by seeing it first evidenced in your life. People might not listen to the Bible, but they'll listen to your story and you can share it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11 says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. All those things he listed there, just a whole bunch of stuff. But I want you to notice verse 11. And that is what some of you were. Hallelujah. Let that resonate with you a minute. That's what some of you were. Past tense. But, why don't you read this with me? Can you do it? But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We see people all around us doing all kinds of crazy things. Guess what? Such were some of you. Such were that's why, that, can I just throw this in? It doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. That's why we should never be sitting in the seat of judgment. You see somebody messing up, you see somebody addicted, you see somebody doing stupid stuff, don't sit in the seat of judgment. Such were some of you. Such are some of us. Come on, somebody. Can somebody say amen to that? How do you ever expect somebody to want to change their life if they're feeling judged by the very people that should be pointing them to the way. I thought I'd get a little more amens from the crowd right here, amen. Anybody that's ever been judged knows what I'm talking about. Share your story. You are the proof. I want to validate somebody here today. The Holy Spirit wants to validate somebody here today and tell you your life will make a difference to somebody. Your story will make a difference to somebody. Sometimes you just plant the seed and then God does the rest. I remember I won't go. I, I remember when I was in high school and I was a brand new Christian. I was working at a restaurant, working at Bonanza on Parham Road. Some of you people that are my age will remember that place. And there was a girl there, and I shared my story with her. I shared my testimony. Man, I didn't know enough Bible to even share, share any scripture. I just told her what God had done for me. She came to church with me one time. She thought we were crazy. She thought we were a bunch of lunatics. Amen. She only came one time. 
I was hoping she'd get saved so I could date her, amen? No, none of that happened. She came one time, no thank you. Years later, I ran into her in a Christian bookstore, heaven and earth, over off of Broad Street. There she was. Buddy, 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 I just got to share with you what God did for me. And she told me what God did for her. She had just come from a, a, a Christian retreat. And she had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit standing around a fire. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, but you know what? You planted the seed. I think it was she's three years. You planted the seed three years ago. And even though I was a little freaked out, that seed has continued to grow. Thank you for sharing Jesus with me. The Bible says that some water, some plant, God gives the increase. Let your light shine. Say, Pastor, I didn't even know I had light. Yeah, you got a light, amen. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Pick yourself up. You are a child of God. Come on. Recognize your value as a follower of Jesus Christ. He wants to use you. You are the proof. I want everybody just to stop for just a minute and just look around this room. Matter of fact, just turn all the way around and you just turn around. Look around this room. Look around this room. There was another room full of people just like this at 9 o'clock. There's people all over this country right now that are in churches that are the proof that Jesus really did resurrect from the grave. There are people around the world. Some of them are hiding out worshiping God. Some of them are worshiping in their homes because they can't worship freely. Come on, some of them are being persecuted for their faith. All of us collectively as the body of Christ are the proof that he resurrected and he still is working today. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to open up this altar. Praise him is going to begin to sing. I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to come and I want you to ask God, God, let me be the proof to somebody that does not know you. Come on. I think it would be great if every single one of us got to heaven and we looked across the street and somebody said, Hey, Tony! Remember me? I'm here because you told me about Jesus. <laughs> hey, Eddie, do you remember me? You told me about what Jesus did for you all those years ago at that 7-Eleven building. Xavier, hey, do you remember me? You were, you were just driving your truck. You ran into me at a rest area. You ran into me at a truck stop. I knew there was something different about you. You just planted a seed. And all these years later, just share your story. I'm going to open up this altar right now, and I want to challenge you to step out from where you are and lift your hands and say, God, you can use me. I want to be your proof. I want to be your living proof. Praise team. Let's worship. Amen. Come on. God, I want you to use me. I want to be proof. I want to be proof of your resurrection. When people say, show me the proof, I want to step forward. I want to raise my hands and say, look at my life. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but Jesus still uses me. I'm not perfect, but God still loves me. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. That's it. Come on. Ask God to lead you. Ask God to show you the way. 
God, use me. Use me in the workplace. Use me at school. Use me on the job. Use me in my neighborhood, God. Use me. I want to be your proof, God. I want to be the proof.
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't ever doubt what God has done in your life. Amen. God can use you. God can use you to reach somebody else. Amen. Let your light shine. Amen. I'm going to dismiss you right now. We have somebody getting ready to get baptized. If you want to stick around, you can do that. But you're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday. Amen.